Last week, I was zeichet to um, be by a neighbor of mine who was hosting a very big Rosh Hashiva in his house. He's one of the senior Rosh Hashiva scenarios in Israel today. His name is Rabbi Baruch Weisbecker. And he's a Rosh Hashiva in a very prominent yeshiva called Beis Matis Yo. I don't, know, it's, I don't know if it's a household name issue, but he's, he's definitely up there. He's, I think, on the Meatzah's Be'er Daira in Eretz Yisrael, and he's very sweet, and he looks very, very chashav. And uh, so he gave me a little time, and you know, he asked me about what I do. I told him that I'm a mashkiach in, uh, in a local yeshiva. Um, and he said the following to me. He said that I want to give you a bracha from the Chazanish. He says, the Chazanish says that when it says in the Mishnah on Aves, the Hamidu Talmidim Harbe, Pasuk says one of the things that you're supposed to do is you're supposed to be Maimed Talmidim Harbe. So the simple taich of that is that you should be Maimed many Talmidim. You should establish many Talmidim. So if you're a Rebbe, you should have uh, hundreds, thousands, millions of Talmidim, and that's, uh, you know, that's, how, that's the key of the Mishnah. Says the Chazanish says it doesn't say Hamidu Harbe Talmidim. Hamidu Harbe Talmidim means that you just keep uh, you know keep proliferating you know be prolific in your in your chinuch and your being in Harbatzas Taira. Just try to chop as many Talmidim as you can. Hamidu Talmidim Harbe means something different. Chazanish used to say that Hamidu Talmidim Harbe means that you should be Mamid Talmidim with a lot of a lot of echas in every Talmud. doesn't mean you have to have a million Talmudim. You don't have to have a million Talmudim. But the Talmudim that you have, you have to work on to be maimed. The amidu Talmudim, should be maimed Talmudim, and do it in a way that's harbid. The, the way that you should be maimed Talmudim is to invest a lot into them, to put a lot of yourself into them, and try to make sure that you're igniting them, you're inspiring them, you're spending time with them, you're giving them adrach, you're giving them chinuch, you're, you're doing good work. That's what it means, Hamidim Tamidim Harbe. And that was the bracha that he gave me, that I should be zeicha, to be maimed Tamidim Harbe, in a way that's with a riboy of Hamada, not, not a riboy of Tamidim, a riboy of Hamada of Tamidim. Of course, the semel for such a mechanech would be, of course, the Altif and Sabatka. The Altif and Sabatka, Reb Nassim Svi Finkel, was really the prototype or the uh, quintessential person that the Chazanish was probably thinking about when he said this vart. Because what the Alter did was he took a group, a, a a group of Talmidim, and he, he worked with them, and he built them. The altar is tired. We have, a, we have the farm of the altar in the back of the base Medrash. It's called um, Arat Safin. And the Arat Safin, basically, it's, it's, it's Sichas, it's Mamarim on the Parshish. But really, if you look in the Sefer carefully, you'll find that all of the sichas are pretty similar. It's just repackaged in different ways. So, and what is the sicha about? Every sicha, kemat, one way or another, is about godless Adam. The motto of the, of the Alta Vesabotka is godless Adam, that Adam, really Adam Arishain, but more broadly man, with a capital M, 
is great. There's a greatness to man. Adam Rishon was the Yitzir Kap of Hashem. He was the handiwork of Hashem. And so he really was a picture of perfection. He was, uh, you know, the Gemara describes Adam Rishon as being Misaifa Eilam at Saifa. He was from one end of the world till the other. And the Gemara says that another mimer that when he stood, uh, his head like bumped against Shemayim. He was that big that when he stood up, he went, as so the Gemara says, I thought you just told me that he's min, uh, min, you know, from Misaifa Eilam at Saifa. Like, which one is? So the Gemara says, is Machadish that? No. It's exactly the same shear. The shear of one end of the world to the other end of the world is the same shear as from Shemayim Daritz. I'm sure there's a lot of of Aymek to that in and of itself, but just the greatness of man, the greatness of how great man is, um, gives us a, uh, a glimpse into the greatness that we have within us. If we know that Adam Rishon, our ancestor, was so great and he was so holy and he was so, you know, large and, and all-powerful in a certain sense, so we have that in us also. Obviously, after the Chet, we were all shrunken down. We're, we're very, very, very tepid um, remnants of the original Adam Rishon, but we're still Adam and we're still great. And we have greatness within us. And everything that you read about Adam, everything you learn about Adam is really, you know, about, it's a story, it's, a, it's, it's autobiographical, it's about us. Because we have greatness, we just don't realize how great we are. And we sell ourselves short, and we, we listen to people's criticisms of us, and we allow it to get us down. But if we really knew how much potential we had, we would be going crazy. We would be, like, jumping and dancing all day long because we're so, we're so full of potential. And the altar constantly drove this point home to Islamidim. And he made every Talmud with their own unique attributes, with their own unique kaychis and kishreinis, feel special. And he developed every Talmud. He saw one Talmud was brilliant, uh, you know, in terms of his amkus. So he worked with him on his amkus. One has a, you know, had great bakiyas. He worked on the bakiyas. One was great bal mashava, bal musar, bal this, bal that. And whoever, every single Talmud, he didn't just do a one size fits all type of chinuch. He worked personally, and he spent endless hours on each Talmud until, and he he touched them all up, and he brought out their greatness. And that's why the altars Talmudim were the leaders of of the next generation. I mean, if you know, it wasn't a huge base. It wasn't a huge base medish Slabatka. If you ever, if you, you know, it's a very small base medish. But out of this little base medish came about Rav Shach, Rav Aaron Kotler, Rav Ruderman, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, Rav David Leibowitz, um, Rav Hutner, uh, and the list goes on and on. It never ends. The list, you know, and it's a mate of Amelia Kaplan, and uh, the, the list just keeps going on and on. All the all the Mir Rashashivas, the Finkels, you know, was his. That was his family. That was his son. So, how did he do it? How was he able to be mimed so many Talmidim Harbe? Because he believed in the greatness of each Talmud. And if a Rebbe is able to really believe in the greatness and bring out the greatness then he could produce great Talmidim. The Chavetz Chaim used to say that I put out Svarim, I published Svarim. The Chavetz Chaim published the greatest Svarim, the, the Mishnah Burra and the Chavetz Chaim, Shemir Salashan, and, you know, all the many, many Lukute uh, Halachas and, uh, and endless, endless amounts of Svarim, endless amounts of Svarim. 
um, he says, but the altar published people. He says, I made Svarim, but he made people. And everybody knew that that was the altar specialty. You know, that's, he was able to make a person. He was able to take you and take you and take me, and he'd be able to right away figure out what's so great about you, what's, what's unique, what's your kaiches, what's your kishrin, and he would bring that out. And, so, and he would do it in very interesting ways. If you read stories about him, it's, it wasn't always like just like, you know, giving, you know, you're amazing, do it, go for it. Like, he would sometimes, if he felt a person had too much gaiva, he would like ignore him for a couple of weeks. Or he would put him down. He would do, he would do like very strange things that are not, would not, you know, today wouldn't fly, but he would do it. And that would be able to sort of like chisel away at the diamond until it was perfect. And you see what happened. I mean, he mamish produced gems one after another. Then midu talmidim harbe, and it wasn't just in his lifetime. It was beyond. It was after he died. His talmidim continued to revere him, and Rav Hutner and and Rav Ruderman, and and they were all like still talking about him till their last day. They were just like in awe of uh, of the altar. There's a story that's told about the. Um, Rav Ruderman. Rav Ruderman was Rosh Hashiva in Israel, in Baltimore, and he once came up to New York City for some, maybe an Aguda convention, and while he was here, he was with a, a, a Heisbacher, like somebody that was, like a Shamish that he had, and the Shamish took a phone call in the hotel room where he was staying, and it was an old friend of his from Slabatka that lived in New York. He heard that Ruderman was in town. He wanted. He says, "I'm coming up to meet the Rashiva. I'll be up in a you know a few hours from now, eight o'clock tonight. I'll be up." So he gets off the phone. He thought the Rashiva would be very happy to reconnect with an old chaver from from the glory days of Slabatka. So he tells Ruderman when he come when he, when he whatever wherever he was, he came into the room. He says, "You're going to be so happy. Your friend, you know, is coming. He'll be here at eight o'clock. Who is it from Slabatka? You know, Chaim, whatever." And Rav Ruderman turned white, and he said, um, "He says, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving." He, he runs out of the hotel, and he basically comes back very late at night after the guy had come and gone. I guess they couldn't call him back. So afterwards, the, the, you know, his, his shamish was confused. Like, what do you, what did you run away for? The guy came special for you. He's like looking forward to seeing you, your old friends. So he says, you don't understand. The altar told me when I was in Yeshiva, when I was a bacher, when I was 15 years old, 16 years old, that that bacher I shouldn't have anything to do with. He's going to be a bad hashpanyu, and uh, just stay away from that bacher. It's not good for you to be around that bacher. He says, and he never rescinded that order. You know, it's like 65 years later, and, uh, you know, and, and, the, and Rav Rudman was still afraid. And he was a senior Rosh Hashiva, he was a Dar, he was a guy in, in Kalatar Kula, Bakke and Shas and Paiskim, and he was still heeding his Rebbe's admonition, his Rebbe's, you know, order, instructions, do not have a Shaykh of this Bacha. This Bacha is not a Bacha, the Bacha is also 80 years old. But he looked at him as being, you know, uh, a threat because this is what my Rebbe told me. So this relationship of a Rebbe and a Talmud was not one that was just a, a temporary relationship. It was a permanent relationship it was a, a, for life and beyond life. It was something that, you know, if you have a Rebbe and the Rebbe is really, you know, giving you his kaiches and putting everything into you, that doesn't end, you know, once you leave Yeshiva. 
it, co- it continues on and on and on, and that's what a good rabbi is. I, I still have kasharim with certain rabbeim that uh, you know I have. I, I, I bump into my fifth grade rabbi, sixth grade rabbi, and like I still have a, a, a you know it's like it, it, you know he didn't age so much. You know I, I look a lot older than he does today, and he's like he was my rabbi when I was in sixth grade. But he uh, he's still with all of his kaiches and all this. But he still is like like he, he treats me like a talmud, and I you know I treat him like a rabbi, but. You know, it's something, it's a lifetime relationship and beyond. This prototype of a Rebbe, like the Altman Slabatka, the next generation of all of the Talmudim that the Altar had, I think that the one that continued this type of Amida Talmudim Arbe type of uh, role was Rav Hutner. Rav Hutner uh, was very similar to the Altar in that he also put a lot of time into his Talmidim. Into, that's not to say that the other Rashivas didn't, but he specialized in Talmidim. Besides for all his other specialties, but he really was able to develop the specific, special, unique talents of each of his Talmidim. So, and, and they were all different. So you can have a Rav Aaron Schechter who is, you know, needs a refuah shlema, but he's, uh, you know, he's a... Rashiva par excellence, and then Rafael Kohn was a Paisik Adar, and then he had uh, the Navaminsk Rebbe, you know, Hasidish Rebbe, who was like the head of the uh, the Agudas Yisrael, and on the list goes, and he had the you know the the person that founded NCSY, and the person that founded you know big, he had he basically was able to um, you know look at every Talmud. See their godless, see their greatness, and and really work on developing those specific skills. And just like the Chavetz Chaim said about the Altar and Slabatka, that he makes I make Svarim and he makes Talmidim. So Rabbi Ashaber Salvechik, I heard once that he spoke to a Talmud of Rav Hutner, and he said that um, he says I want you to know, you know what I do all night. He says a whole night I'm spending on the Rambam. Says I'm just learning Rambam all night and trying to be mechadish chidush and be miyashiv stiras the Rambam. That's what I do all night. He says, and you know what your Rebbe does all night, Rav Hutner? He says he's spending his whole nights thinking about his talmidim. That's all he does all night. While I'm looking at the Rambam, he's thinking about his talmidim. He's schmoozing with his talmidim. He's coming up with plans for his talmidim. He's dreaming dreams for his talmidim. That's for midu talmidim harbe, not to have a harbe talmidim. It's not such a kunst to have harbe talmidim, but to be to have talmidim harbe to to really make great talmidim to be marbe the echos the the potential of a talmud. That's a very unique skill. It's not so commonly found. There are many people that try, but it's very very hard to do. To real because you have to really be a you know you have to you have to really have a unique insight into into people's personalities and people's characters and people's potential. It's hard to do that. It's hard to know exactly who's going to be what. Sometimes it's very clear, but to see like somebody at 18 years old, at 20 years old, in the early 20s, to be able to see, okay, this person is going to be great in this and this person is going to be great in that. And sometimes not only in learning. It could be, you know, that somebody's going to be great in business. And I spoke to the Rufutner has a certain Talmud who is, Today, like maybe a billionaire, like a very wealthy guy, and um, I asked him if the story is true. He didn't really confirm it, but he didn't deny it either. 
And the story goes like he's a legendary guy, this guy, and you know he's he's, he's like Kemat Singlandly supports Chaim Berlin. Uh, he's a very very wealthy, but he's also a very good person. He's a chashva person. He learns a lot every day. But he, when he was in Kailo, you know, he wanted to continue in Kailo. He wanted to learn, and that's what he wanted to do. He also had a very good chush for business. And Rav Hutner supposedly told him, and he, that if you stay in learning, you need to be Rav Hutner to say this. There's no way you're going to be you're going to creep out of Gehenna. What does he mean? Because he saw that this person's unique potential, this person's talent, lies in business. You're going to learn, but you're going to have to put your kaiches in business. You're going to be the givir. You're going to be the the the, the par excellence. You're going to teach the dar how to give, and that's your avayda. So it's not just okay. You're a good balmusar, and you're a good. Uh, you're going to make a great mashkiach, and you're going to make a great uh, rav, and you're going to be, make a great paisik. But sometimes he saw people and their potential for business or for medicine or for or, or whatever tchunas and nefesh they had. It's not easy to be able to tap into that. But people that give it a lot of thought and, and, and have that intuition and that uncanny ability to really touch up a person and really define who the person is and how he's going to be able to bring about who he will be, that takes a great rabbi. That's a Vamidu Talmidim Harbe type of Rebbe. Now, in order to um, in order to do this, a Rebbe has to very much be willing to give up a lot of himself in order to uh, in order to accomplish greatness of the Talmud. Meaning, Rav Hutner, if Rav Yashuber says it's true. You know that Rav Hutner spent a whole night worrying about Talmidim. Rav Hutner probably wanted to learn Rambam's also all night. That would have probably been a more natural desire for him to do. But he put that aside because he realized that this is what I want to do. I want to build my Talmidim. I'm a Rebbe. I'm Rosh Shiva, and I want to be Madrich my Talmidim. So I'm willing to put aside my steiging and learning in order to do this. There's a story that's told about Rav Pam the great Rashiva of Tarvadas, who had um, a very close Talmud, one of his closest Talmudim, if not possibly the closest, Rabbi Yisrael Reisman, the famous Rabbi Reisman, from, who gives that big uh, Navishir every Matzai Shabbos, he's Rashiva in Tarvadas, he's a Rav, and so he was giving a shir in Tarvadas, Rabbi Reisman, Rav was still the Rashiva, and Rabbi Reisman was giving a shir, and he, he went after a few years over to Rav he says, listen, I love my job, doing good work, but I miss the Kailo environment. I miss steiging and learning. I miss having a chavrusa. I miss, like, you know, really getting into this. Like, this is, it's very superficial learning that I'm doing now. I'm just teaching and teaching and teaching. And I know this Gemara already. We've done already many years, again and again and again. I want to I get back. I want to take a sabbatical year and just learn again in Kailo. That's what I want to do. And he thought that Rapam would be all for it. He thought it was a great idea. Why not? Steigen it. So Rapam says it's a terrible idea. You're going to stay in Chinuch. You're not going to take a sabbatical. So he said, why? So Rav Pam said that there's a Gemara that says on a Pasuk, Ki sifsei kayen yishmeru das, v'tari v'akshem ipiyu, ki malach Hashem tzavakesu. That the lips of a kayen will guard 
knowledge, and you're going to seek out Torah from him because he's a Malach Hashem Tzavakas. Funny Pasuk. So the Gemara says that Im Daime Harav L'Malach Hashem Tzavakas if the Rebbe is similar, if you look at your Rebbe like he's a Malach Hashem, then Yavakish Tamir, that's a Rebbe that you should seek out Tyre from him. Vim Lav, but if you don't look at him as a Malach Hashem, then Al Yavakish Tamir, then, then look for another Rebbe. It's not. He says, what does that mean if, if the Rebbe is like a Malach Hashem Tzavak? How is a Rebbe like a Malach? Uh, it means he has wings? Like, what, what, what is a Rebbe? You know, what, what, what makes a Rebbe like a Malach? And there's many roots into this, but Rav. Tom suggested the following. He said that one thing that we know about a malach is a malach is different than a human and that a malach is an aimed. Is an aimed. A human being is a mahalach. A human being walks, he steigs, he's able to go from, from level to level. Sometimes you find a bachar, like he starts off in yeshiva and he's like a little bit shaky, he's not so doing so well, he's not so smart. Not, and all of a sudden, you know, you come back a year later and he's like, he's a masmid, and then he's a gain, and then he's a, you know, and he steigs. Human being steig, we steig. But a malach doesn't steig. A malach is basically static, he's a robot. And there's psukim that say that that malachim are described as aimdim. They're just the people, they, they, they stagnate. They're not, they're just, this, they're, they're just static. They just are the same. There's no growth in a malach. A malach is what he is. He's a robot. He does his mission and that's it, but he has no growing. So Rav Pam used to say that that's what it means, that a Rebbe has to be prepared to be a malach. Meaning that just like a malach is an aimed, a rebbe has to be prepared. It doesn't mean that he can't steig. Obviously, it would be great if a rebbe continues to steig after he becomes a rebbe. But he has to be willing to even even curtail his steiging in order to promote the bacher's development, the talmud's development. It says you can't just take off because you want to steig. Once you become a rebbe, you have to be able to say, "I know that I'm. An, I'm I, it feels like I'm stagnating." feel like I'm stationary, but that's okay because I'm, this is what I want to do. I want to use that time and that, you know, that the, to, in order to get the potential of the Bachram tapped into and to develop that to, to, to increase their ability to give over Tyra to the next generation. A Rebbe has to be Meisr Nefesh for Talmidim. As a Maiso the Shmuel Birnbaum that they wanted in, in, in the Mir Yeshiva they wanted to kick out certain Talmud he had a very bad gambling habit. So they asked um Shmuel Birnbaum, uh the, the Rabbeim came and said, We want to kick him out, we want to kick out this Bachar. So Shmuel said, Did you fast Mem Tanesim, did you fast forty Tanesim before you made this decision? He says, I've never kicked out a bach in my life unless I fasted for 40 days and 40, and 40 nights before, I don't know, 40 nights, but 40 days, you know, straight before I make such a decision. And Rabbi Bender once said this over at a Dar dinner, and, and there was a certain bacher in, and he said there was a certain bacher in Darche that was really, he wasn't doing well at all. He was like really, he was flunking out of Darche. And then, and all of a sudden, like, he started his, his condition, his, his state of mind, and his whole being started really increasing. He started steiging, and, you know, and they didn't know, like, what happened. Like, what changed about this bacher? And, like, by the next parent-teacher conference, they asked the Rebbe, so, like, you know, you should know, he said to the parents, like, you know, your, your son just turned himself around. Like, we don't know what happened. Nobody knows what happened. So he said, 
So the mother says, I went to the Darche dinner. I heard Rabbi Bender say about Rabbi Birnbaum that he would fast, you know, for a Talmidim. He said, she said, if Rabbi Birnbaum could fast for a Talmud, I could fast for my son. And she said, I started fasting for him. I started giving up my, my daily meals. And he says, and, and that, from that time on, you know, if you could start, if you could fast for somebody, then that's, uh, you know, that's, that's the beginning of the development of a, of a Talmud, of a, of a child. But you have to be able to be Meiser Nefesh for a child, for, for a Talmud and for a child. And that's a very, very critical part of being a good Rebbe. Now, the flip side of this, is that until now we've been talking about the um, the mysterious nefesh of a Rebbe for a Talmud. And we all like that idea because it means that I'll have a Rebbe. The Rebbe will run after me. The Rebbe will, like, you know, hold my hand throughout everything thick and thin. And, you know, and, and even if I'm falling, he's going to be there to catch me. And that's hopefully true. But there's a very interesting letter that Revolbi writes once to a Talmud. I think what happened was that there was a Talmud that wrote him like an anonymous, one of these anonymous letters that sometimes Talmudim slip into Rebbe's Gemaris and say, you know, that you never, you know, you never took interest in me, you never, one of these like real, like a hater letter, you know, like, you know, you, you, know, you never cared about me, you never did this for me, you never did that for me. And he didn't sign it. So Revolbi couldn't address this person personally. But he basically, I think, gave either Shmuz the whole base manager, or he wrote like a public letter and put it on the base manager's door. And he says, it's not, he says, the, the job of a Rebbe is not to go running over to every Talmud and to, you know, make sure everything is okay at all times. So a Rebbe doesn't have enough time in the day for that, and that's not really the job of the Rebbe. The job of a Rebbe is to be there to help a Talmud, but the Talmud has to come to the Rebbe. The Talmud has to come and be mevakish from the Rebbe. It's not the job of a rabbi to go at every... You know, there's too many guys in yeshiva. There's too little time of the day. And if you want to gain from yeshiva, and this is really, you know, my message tonight to the... To most of the... I think you, you guys are all really... Except maybe one of you. Everyone here has old faces. But, but it's, it's, always good to, it's always good to remind ourselves that, you know, we all want to have a wonderful relationship with every Talmud. And... But it's it's very important for the Talmidim to come over to the Rebbe and say, you know, let's make a seder, let's learn together, or, or come to the Vadin, or come to the Shmuzin, or come to the Shirim, and come to Davening, and come to Shabbos, and come to Yantiv. And you know, if if you're not doing that, and you just expect, and then you have Tainus on your Rebbe that you, know, you never cared about. Well, it's not it's not really fair, because a Rebbe is here, but a Rebbe has to, you know, you have to. Acclimate yourself to a Rebbe. In, in Yiddish, the word is to shtaltsu to a Rebbe. You have to be able to, to, to make yourself a Talmud before a Rebbe necessarily can do all of the great things that a Rebbe is supposed to do and could do for you. You have to come and you have to be a part of Yeshiva and you have to be a part of, the, of whatever is being given, whatever is being offered. And then when you do that, then you'll see, Hashem, tremendous growth personally, but also in the development of the Rebbe Talmud relationship. I think many of us could, could really uh, relate to this. A lot of us, you know, it took a while maybe to warm up to a certain Rebbe, but once you do, all of a sudden, all the floodgates open and you have tremendous relationship with them. But a Rebbe has a tremendous responsibility, tremendous achrayas, but the Talmud also has a tremendous achrayas. The Talmud's achrayas is to come and to be mevakesh, and to be, you know, and to, and, and to just be there, be mevatel themselves to the, to the rabbi to a certain degree. 
And then once they do that, then you'll see Karubas HaShamayim, there's going to be a tremendous outgrowth of uh, an, an outpouring of love and, and kirva and the Mitzvah Hashem, we should all be zeichet to all of these, these types of experiences. Okay, let's say,